0: Good morning everyone, this is Pastor Troy Baum with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to be back after a few days out of the saddle here in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies where we are doing an expository teaching throughout the book of Romans. If you're joining us today for the first time, uh, all of these classes, I believe we have 52 of those uh, classes that are recorded so far, 52 hours of teaching that you can go to www.biggrace.com and click on Raven Institute all of those classes are available for you for free uh, in mp3 format to download to your computer you can take those and copy those use them any way you want to uh, the whole purpose of those is to get you into God's word so God's word will get into your heart into life and to literally to ignite a fire in you for the things of God and so uh Once again, thank you for joining us. We were out several days. Last week, uh, I was out of town ministering uh, at my grandmother's funeral. Uh, Then I got back in and was actually this past weekend in New Orleans, Louisiana, ministering with our team there. And So we'll have some information on that on our blog uh, this evening, as well as we'll be talking about it tonight. Uh, During the Raven Nation program Speaking of our Raven Nation program uh, We do a teaching like I said Monday through Friday When I'm in town uh, And we're doing a teaching on the book of Romans Every Tuesday night Uh, from 8.30 until 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We have a program called the Raven Nation where all of our teams come together and it's really an international uh, uh, group of people that come in a time of uh, prayer and fellowship and preaching the word and worship. And if you have any prayer requests uh, during the week, you can email those uh, prayer requests to me at raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com. And we'll get our international intercessors just praying and believing God for your prayer needs every Tuesday night as we pray live. We'd love you to join us if you can, or uh, if you want to uh, send those prayer requests in, if you're in a different time zone or whatever else, not able to be there, uh, just know that we are praying and interceding for you, believing God for your miracle, for God to intervene if you have people in your family that need to come to Jesus. uh, We want to lift up those names and believe God uh, to come through for those because He's been so good and so gracious to us uh, in our lives and we just want to uh, share that. Uh, our faith with you And share what Jesus has done in our lives as well So once again thank you for joining us Good to be back here And good to have you folks that are, that are joining us here I know it's kind of when you're out for a few days you got to get back into that routine But glad to to be here once again But let's go to the Lord in prayer And we're going to pray and just ask God to To bless this time of fellowship This time of teaching And uh, we always pray for the sick in the mornings And each and every day All the the, the stacks of prayer requests That we receive each day So I just appreciate you just joining with me And just believing God for a miracle today Father we just thank you for this day And for the opportunity Just to come into your presence And lift up Jesus Lord God we know that by the signs of the times That we're living in the last days And we just want to Lord God be ready and equipped Lord God for the work of the ministry I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ Lord God Father, that you just touch them, equip them, Lord God, empower them. Lord God, those that need uh, just a miracle in their lives, Lord God, we're just believing and standing together for that today. Lord God, I know each and every one of us is different, Lord God. We come from different backgrounds, different situations, Lord God. We're all dealing with different obstacles, Lord God, that we have. But Lord God, I thank you that you that you are, uh, Lord God, one that, that cares about us. You you said in your word, even the, the hairs in our head are numbered. That's the type of detail, Lord God, You care about in our lives. And so, Lord God, those that are out there today or those that may be listening to this tape, Lord God, uh, in a recording fashion or delayed broadcast, Father, I pray for them today. And I just pray, Lord God, that the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord God, would touch them. The Word says that your hand is not shortened that you cannot heal. Father, we get requests every single day, Lord God, and you're aware of those for people that need miracle healings, Lord God, deliverances, crying out for the salvation of their children, Lord God, and for their cities and neighborhoods. Lord God, people crying out for just a breakthrough of Bible in their churches and Lord God this morning we want to stand together with them Lord God I stand with my brothers and sisters in Christ that are here with me live today and Lord God we're just asking for an outpouring Lord God both personally Lord God and corporately, nationally, Lord God, and globally. Lord God, for just a move of Your Spirit, Lord God, in these last days. Lord God, we know that Your Word says that You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Lord God, we just want to share, Lord God, in Your heart, in Your will, in Your desire, Lord God. And Father, we just ask You to touch us this day. Lord God, teach us, equip us, Lord God. Give us a passion for the lost and dying, Lord God. Give us a a, a love for You and a desire after Your Word. I just pray for each one, Lord God, here today as we just come together and just ask You to strengthen me, just give me the ability, Lord God, to just open my mouth boldly, Lord God, and make known the mystery of the Gospel. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Like I said, folks, we are... uh... In the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, if you're joining us for the first time, if you were out last week, you may have kind of, unless you're keeping notes, you may have kind of lost track where we are. But we're going to begin in the 12th verse uh, this morning in this class. And I'll, something you know what we've been talking about up to this point is the truth that uh, that any and all salvation strictly comes to us through the the redemptive work of the cross of Jesus Christ and is administered or given to us or, or, or provided for us strictly by grace through faith. And if we just had to summarize the, the first four and a half chapters that we've that we studied thus far, really that that's the whole point is that we are saved by grace through faith. That it's not of our our, our own ability. It's not according to a law or a set of ordinances. It's just... That, that, that God loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus. That what, The price and the, uh, that we could not pay, the, the things that we could not do, He has enabled us to do those things. And I was just thinking about it as I was just meditating upon the Word of God today. You know, no one knows you like you know you except Jesus. Uh, no one knows me like I know me except the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know we we go through this life, and we want to you know uh, have a positive outlook, and uh, you know we want uh, to to present a certain type of image to other people. But you know each and every one of us, there's that that person inside of us that we know that that struggles and it just just cries out for the mercy of God. And, you know that is as believers. But most of us uh, also can remember who we were apart from Christ. That we knew how destitute we were just by virtue of us being believers today. We we realized who we were and what we had done. And uh, we we cried out to Jesus. We knew the limitations of our own ability. And we knew that God wasn't just something that we wanted to try before we buy. But we, we were at the end of ourselves. We were destitute. We were lost. We were without hope. But Christ Jesus came to us. But in that, we also know with those limitations that anything that we're able to do outside of those limitations, outside of the limitations of our flesh or our, our training or our education or our ability, it, it is strictly just given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think about the things that I've been privileged to do for His kingdom over the years. The places, the, 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 the miracles that I've seen God do, the, the thousands literally of souls that have come into the kingdom as a result of Jesus. And I, and I think to myself, you know, apart from just complete faith and dependent upon, dependence upon Him, I could not have done those things. It, it wasn't because of my personality. It wasn't because of my ability. It, it, it wasn't because of what somebody told me or I had the, 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 the best answer or anything else. It was strictly because of making myself available to the hand of God to come and move in my life. And as we're studying the, the book of Romans, one thing I want you to... Uh, to, to hear and to, to, to be able to ascertain through all these things is that when we talk about we're saved by grace through faith, and we look at the, the, the Word of God and we see that, that we're justified freely by His grace through the redempt, uh, redemption that's in Christ Jesus, that folks, look, that's not just to keep us from going to hell. the 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 primary benefit of that is that certainly we're uh reconciled back into the father and as a result of that we do not have to face his wrath because we're no longer appointed under wrath and we will you know obviously be with him for eternity but but folks listen there's a benefit to that that in the now And that benefit is to be able to do all things through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. And you know, that same grace that draws you is the same grace that empowers you. I think about Paul the Apostle who... Who said, you know what, I, I knew a man one time. And he, and he began to talk about the things that he was able to, to see in the third heaven. And, and he talked about this thorn in the flesh that was given unto him. And he cried out to the Lord on, on three separate occasions. The Lord spoke to him and told him that my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And you know, there's a sufficiency of grace when we're weak that it enables God. He said, because when you're weak... I'm strong. And each and every one of us, each and every single day, have to combat the truth that we are weak, that we don't have the ability, that we get physically tired, that we get emotionally uh, uh, strained, that we get uh, uh, spiritually uh, 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 destitute sometimes. We have got to have a complete... Utter dependence upon the things of God. So when we are we are freely given that, that 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 grace and that mercy and that justification, folks, listen. It's given for for everything in our lives, for our prayer life, for the power of God manifested, for when we go and witness and when we worship God. All of those things come out of this, the collective of the redemptive work that Jesus Christ has has done for us. And so if 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 somebody as an agent of the adversary, comes and tries to tell you that, you know, you can't do that. You don't have the ability to do that. Put them back to the blood of Jesus enables you to do all things. And so if they're talking about you in the natural, if they're talking about your ability, you know what, they're probably correct in saying that you can't do anything because in and of ourselves there's no hope, there's no righteousness, there's no power. But folks, from what I see and what I know and what I've walked out for, for literally faithfully for 22 years, is that it is not by my, it's not by power, it's not by my ability, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord, resident and residing inside of me. And because he's not a respecter of persons, because that he doesn't love Troy Bond any more than he loves you, because he didn't love Moses any more than he loved you, or Elijah, or Elisha, or the uh, Apostle Paul, or Peter, Folks, His love is, is for every single one of us. And His hands of mercy are extended for every single one of us. And everyone that calls Christ Jesus Lord, it, it, the, the book of Romans, we'll get into the 8th chapter here in a, in a few weeks, has uh, is, is been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And today I just want to remind you, because it's, sometimes it's easy to forget, that we've been made not just conquerors, but we've been made in excess of conquerors, a conqueror is someone that goes out and fights the, the battle. And Pastor Sam, if you remember last week, he made such a tremendous point. I'm gonna I'm going I'm, I'm gonna borrow that from him today. He said we gotta we gotta remember that we're not fighting for the victory as a conqueror, but we're fighting from the victory as more than a conqueror. And so, folks, listen, we are more than conquerors, and so we're fighting from a position of victory. But what is the victory? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, and we get built up in, by the faith because the Word of God tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so, this this week is as you come before God and you face the the, the obstacles of life, whether it's at work, whether it's in your ministry, whether it's with your children, your family, whether it's just personally those those inward uh, things that you're you're combating realize that your victory has been won for you on the cross of Calvary. If you'll just call upon the Lord, He'll hear you. If if there's something that you feel like God's telling you to say or to do, your strength comes from the Lord who's the the maker of heaven and earth. That's your empowerment. That's your ability. That's that's the the, the source of everything that you need has already been imputed or deposited into you by virtue of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we've got to be reminded of those things. And, and that's what the book of Romans is all about. It's about victory because of our faith in Jesus Christ. When He sought us out, and He began to influence us by His grace and by His mercy, His strength has been perfected. I want to say that again. His strength has been perfected or made perfect in our weakness. Because when we were weak... He became strong, but now we've got a strength in the in, in the blood of Jesus in our relationship with Him because we know Him and we've been changed and transformed by Him. And so, everything that we talked about up to this point, and like I said, the four and a half chapters of the Book of Romans here, heading into the middle of chapter five, is, is just strictly about the redemptive work of the cross of Calvary. You know, Paul said in First uh, Corinthians two two that I'm determined, or I've, I've established that I do not desire to know anything among you except Christ. And him crucified, and this is the same Paul that, that gave his a uh, his credentials or his resume in Philippians chapter three, when he began to talk about it. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the the chief stock of Israel. I was a Benjamite. circumcised the eighth day. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. All these types of things. But he said at the end of the day, he said those things are rubbish. Those things are like dung that I might win. Christ Jesus, and folks, if you're a believer in the Lord Lord Jesus Christ, you're at that same place. All those other things are rubbish; those are done. That 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 the cross of Christ uh, has, has established you and has given you a victory and an empowerment. And so, we've talked about that. It has been established that our justification is a work of faith. And that any efforts on our own are literally futile in regards to producing even one shred of salvageable righteousness. We are fully and completely dependent upon the mercy of God in allowing His Son Jesus to provide that substitutionary payment for us and thus to declare us righteous in the eyes of God. Folks, I want to to tell you this. Something that has crept in. And, and I want to reinforce this as we're going through the book of Romans. There is such a celebrity nature within Christendom today, and it's 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 such a a a, a super saint type of mentality, folks. The same blood that that bought you is the same blood that buys every single person else, and everything that you see is 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 an act of God's grace and mercy. And so. Uh, the reason I say that is there's, there's as you've heard said, there's no uh, big eyes and little U's. That every single one of us, God has called, God desires for a purpose. Certainly God puts people in certain positions. Uh, uh, Psalms chapter 75 tells us that God raises up one and puts down another. And so nothing is an act of our own, uh, our, our own will or our own volition. It is because God has, has called us and through our faith in his blood he uses us. But we, we've got to say that there's nothing salvageable in us. There's there's nobody you say, well that person God must love them more because of this and that. Absolutely not. God loves every single one of us. He has a desire for every single one of us. And when we repent and we walk in holiness and righteousness, and then the benefits of those things are, are, are made measurable in our hearts and lives and people begin to see the fruits. But I don't want anyone to ever think, well, I couldn't do that because of this or God uh, because of that. Folks, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. And so when it says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, it is not meant to be some uh, ambiguous or uncertain statement relative to the moral condition of mankind, but literally it is meant to establish once and for all that the collective nature of every single individual who would be the offspring of Adam, have sinned. We've all come short. There's, there, there, there's no one. There's no exceptions. There's, there's no one else who has had any uh, uh, righteousness in them. Every single one of us have found ourselves in the exact same place. We've all found ourselves needing Christ Jesus. But what we see in one another is the fruit of that willingness and that faithfulness to follow out Christ Jesus. And so I want to say that and reinforce it because it's available to every single one of us. Uh, You know, we're not to covet uh, uh, our neighbor's house. We're not to be covetous for someone else. But the Word of God does tell us to covet the best gifts. And those things are of the Spirit. And so we need to desire earnestly the things of God. Not the things that our brother or sister has. Because the the Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says the Spirit of God measures and meets out as He wills. And, And folks, but as we desire and we begin to seek the face of God, God will give you that ability. If you want the ability to teach, begin to, to, to study the Word of God and believe the things of God. If you want the ability to, to preach, just be, be faithful to God and say, God, teach me to do that. If you want the, the boldness to witness to the lost and to the dying, just just pray and say, God, I I need a boldness. I need a boldness based upon the righteousness of God coming uh, in my life. If you want the... Uh, whatever it is that you want God to use you and begin to call out to God and say, God, I need you to, to measure those things out in my life. Then what you do, is, Pastor uh, Alex shared a couple of weeks ago on the Raven Nation, You need to position yourself. You need to create the need in your life and in your heart. To, to where God's going to fill up that, that situation in you. So put yourself out there sometimes. You know, Romans three ten and 12 says it's written, there's none righteous, not even one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. And they are all together become unprofitable. There's none that does good. No, not even one. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? That kind of puts us all on an even playing field. It puts us in complete... Uh, 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 need and dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, over the next couple of days as we're looking at these uh, these, these verses, and what we're going to look at is about eight uh, verses of Scripture. Verses uh, 12 through 19. And, and literally they kind of have a, the same type of collective thought in there. There, 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 there's a pattern that we're going to see there in those, those, uh, those eight verses that are really just one thought even within the verses and so as we look at those it's going to encompass the, just that one central truth and these verses are going to reveal and reinforce that, that it should serve to move and motivate us really I believe in, in a fresh new way But before I read these verses together, and I'm going to read them all at once, I want to read a couple of other verses of Scripture to establish kind of a basing for our teaching today and over the next couple of days as we're getting back into the study in the book of Romans. And uh, if you've been around me much, you've often heard me quote from this next uh, verse. And it's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9 verses thirty five and thirty six and, and, the, and I, I guess so because it's something that, that is so real to me, it's something that, that literally changed not just the face of my my personal life, but probably changed my outlook on ministry altogether. If, if someone had to ask me, "Show me one scripture, something that God spoke to you that, that had the most impact, it would have to be matthew nine thirty five and thirty six that that served as a catalyst for everything that I do. For him, not everything that I am in him, but everything that I do as a result of who I am in him and who he is in me. And it says, "And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When I when I read that, folks, it, it's uh, it literally as I read it this morning, as I was just Preparing and studying and seeking the Lord, it, I, it 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 still moves me to tears because, you know, I, I think years ago when I when I walked into New Orleans, Louisiana, back in 1996, and I, and I saw what was happening during what they call the, the Mardi Gras or carnival, and there's tens of thousands of people that gather in that place, and it's just a, a time of wickedness and debauchery, and it's easy to kind of get uh, kind of calloused or jaded and say, look at what these people are doing but when I, when I went into that place as having served as a pastor for, for a number of years already at that point the, the revelation and the manifestation of what Jesus saw came upon me and, and it ceased to be okay with me at that point literally for people to die and to go to hell without at least the, the chance to to hear the truth and to make a decision based upon that truth and the mercy of God and it, it it, 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 you know we say to ourselves sometimes that it's not okay for people to go to hell but we don't act like it and, and the unfortunate part of it in Christianity in which we all call ourselves a part of that is that we don't exemplify that our, our churches are built around everything but having a compassion upon the multitude we have our own building programs we're, we're building larger barns to store up something for ourselves whether it be reputation or notoriety or, or, or something else within our, our communities but None of those things moved Jesus. When Jesus looked at those multitudes, that's what moved him with compassion. And, and and folks, when it when it says that when he saw those things that he was moved with compassion out of Matthew nine, thirty-five and, and thirty-six that 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 is really just one word. That phrase is just one Greek word, and and I want you to listen to what it means. as we're going to be talking about these other verses, because I, I don't want us to miss out on what 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 Paul is trying to teach us in, in Romans, uh, specifically what we're going to begin to see here in just a minute. And I'm going to probably say some things over the next few days that are going to challenge you. And they're going to they're going to stir you up, and they're going to probably some of my Within your traditions, they may be controversial to you, but I want to say that with the basis of it being matthew nine thirty five that Jesus was moved with compassion on those things, so as we study verses twelve through nineteen of Romans chapter five you 've got to keep this in mind, the heart of Jesus in mind. You've got to, to have his compassion in mind with all of these things and seeing what drove him and what motivated him and as a result what caused that, that, that Theonustos, that God breathed word to be breathed into to, to, to Paul the Apostle, to be spoken to us and written in this form that we can study. But to be moved with compassion is that word that literally means to have a a yearning that comes from our innermost being and to be pierced through by something. And so when Jesus saw the multitudes, there was something literally that, that just pierced Him through. And you know, I know you've seen things in, in your life or, or something's happened and it was just like a, such a, a, a... You know, we use that term in, in, in our English language, gut-wrenching. Just something that, that got you and it just caused you literally to, to physically to, to double over. I remember years ago before I was in, in full-time ministry, I worked in, at, a, at a savings and loan in Amarillo, Texas. And I was seated at my desk one day on the telephone and all of a sudden, I heard a tremendous crash. I worked in the downtown uh, sector of our city, and our, our branch was right there on a very busy corner. But I heard a, a, a screech and a crash, and I just—you could just hear the metal twisting and a, and a, and a skid—and it was just one of the, the loudest and the, and the, and the, 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 the most uh, devastating crashes that I heard. And so I literally, I just hung up the phone on the person I was talking to and I just began to run towards the door of the building to see if what happened was just a reaction to to do something. And so as I, I ran out the door, I saw a car... Uh, one car that was off by itself that had been uh, crashed it creamed off to the, the, the side of the road. But there was another one on, on its top, upside down, slid a, uh, across the, the curb and the wheels were literally still turning. But my, the visual was not what it was. But as I ran and I opened the door and that, that loud cl- crash and my, the visual, all of a sudden I began to get all the sounds of this event. And within that crash, I heard from that overturned car, I heard a wailing cry of a child. And folks, listen, you know, at the time, my my son was just a baby. He's going to be 20 years old, and so you can tell how long ago that was but I still remember, it's still vivid in, in my memory and I could still just see this, this picture in my mind and, and hear that, that cry, but there was just a shrieking. And, and I was running, but as soon as I heard that cry, it was almost like everything in, inside of me just wanted to, to stop. I didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't know if I was prepared to come upon that scene and possibly see a child that had been maimed or something devastating that had, that had happened to it. And so as I ran up and I, and I, I looked over into the scene, the, the mother had, had had, had come out the window of the car and the car, the top of the car being upside down, her back was against the top of the car and she was literally against, her back was against the, the pavement and the car had been pressed down before her she wasn't dead but she couldn't get out because the, the car had, had squeezed her in there so she was trapped and so I couldn't hear the child and so I, I bent down, and the child had—I uh, don't know if there was seat belted in but the child was was laying there on the roof of the car that had been overturned. And so I pulled the child out. The child was was bleeding, and all these type of things. And I was seeing—you know—is this baby okay? Is this child okay? And so uh, I began to, uh, to to pull the child out. And someone came and took the child inside and began to minister aid. And fortunately, the, the the baby was okay, and the, the mother was okay. And I sat and comforted her until the obviously the the, the emergency personnel came, and I prayed for her and everything else. And Praise God that they were were fine, but there was something when I went out that I heard that shriek, I heard that that child's crying, there was just I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what I would find. And I was I was pierced through. And everything inside of me wanted to stop, but I just I had to go. And folks, that's exactly what happened to Jesus Christ. And I think about the testimony of him when he was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane and he began to cry out for you and I. And that's what he was doing there 2,000 years ago. When he, when he began to cry out in the garden, and, and he said, you know, he, he knew all these things that would be laid upon him. And, you know, we, we know that Jesus came, and he, was a, he, he, he took on our, our sinful flesh, and he could be moved by the things. That in Hebrews tells us that we don't have a high priest who can't be touched by the feelings of our infirmities or our weakness, but he's always. Tempted like we are yet without sin. And allows us and affords us the ability to go boldly into His throne room of grace and mercy. But when He cried out to us, He said, Father, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. But he said, "Father, not my will, but thine be done." And he continued to, to to run towards that place of the cross. No one took his life, but he he freely gave it. And when he saw in Matthew nine thirty five and thirty six that that multitude, that's that, that thing that's stirring, the thing that just was was gut wrenching to him, that thing that he knew that it would take everything inside of him to 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 do it. It, it took everything, but he was he was moved. He was pierced through. Folks, what is, has what is escaped the escape church? There's just no no piercing through with the compassion and the love of God for the multitudes any longer. We've, we've forgotten God because we've forgotten what He's done for us. But I believe what God is wanting to do is to bring us back to that place. And what we're going to find here in these, these eight verses of the book of Romans is, is, is really what should pierce us through. The, the condition of humanity. I believe if we could see the things that, that He saw, and you've heard me say this, when we see it like He saw it, we'll do it like He did it. But the problem with the church is we don't have the the mind of Christ. And as a result of that, we don't have the eyes of Christ. And You've heard me teach on that, that when the veil was rent twain, it starts with our mind. But you could tell that the, when the mind of Christ is, is not within us, that we'll never see things the way He saw things. And as a result, we'll never do things the way that He de, did things. We'll never speak the words that, that He spoke. And the, and the problem with this the pseudo-church that this 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 religious thing that's come it genuinely does not have the heart of Christ. It's never been pierced through. It's never it does not see those things as gut wrenching. And I, I can I can say that with authority and I can say that without reservation because we see the fruit of what this this thing is that has it's called itself the church and it's called itself Christ Jesus and it does not those things that he did. And so, folks, when I talk about this move or this yearning or this being pierced through, it was the result of what Jesus said and what he surveyed as the condition of the multitudes. It says that he had been out in the cities and in the villages. And think about that just for a minute. And it said he had been out in the cities, he had been out in the villages, and he was teaching in their synagogues. Or we could liken that to him being out teaching in the churches and preaching the gospel of the kingdom or teaching kingdom principles, the things that are the kingdom of God is like this, and this is what you do in the kingdom or what you can expect. And it says that he was, was, was healing the sick and he, he was doing all those things. But then there was a shift. And so uh, it says that he went about, he, he was teaching, he was, he was preaching the gospel of the king, he was healing the sick. Then there was suddenly, there was, there was a shift in, in the thought and there was a shift in, in, in how he was operating and what he saw. And, and so as a result of that, there, there should be a shift in, in us and so i want you I want you to look at this just as a picture of, of how the church should be and how we should be responded and I want to interject something in this teaching this morning to show you the relevance of what Jesus saw and what Jesus did and how these things are are, are going to tie into what we're learning here in the book of Romans and, and and what we're going to begin to look to for today in in the fifth chapter folks you can go into most churches and and and, and let me let me not say most churches let me say Many churches, or some churches, you you can't go into most churches and see this. But what you're going to find, you'll, you'll go into most churches and you'll 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 hear teaching. Some of you that are listening, to this you can say, you know what? I, I have a pastor that's that's teaching. He teaches truth. He he teaches godly principles. We can go and we're getting that teaching. You'll you'll hear. You'll say that he's that we're hearing preaching. They're going in, and most everything that we hear is seems to be fundamentally sound. It, it seems to be solid teachings on certain things. Maybe the, 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 the emphasis is on family. Maybe the emphasis is on giving. Maybe the emphasis on, on, on certain subject matters. You say that they're, they're teaching certain kingdom principles. Or, or even you'll, you'll be in churches and, and they're, they're praying for the sick and, and, and some people are, are getting healed and, and, and you'll see God doing those type of things. So you'll, you'll see just as Jesus, and I believe that we really, he, we, we see such a tremendous picture of how He tied these two things together. He's, and, and yet they're tied together but He wants us to show it. but they're two separate type of things. You know, we go into our churches and we we teach. We go into the churches and we preach uh, 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 things relative to the kingdom. We go into our churches and, 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 you know, if there's any sick among them, let them come. Let them bring them to the elders in the church and they'll lay hands on themselves. Yes, folks, listen, the church has been established as a place of discipleship. It's been a place of training and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. But what has happened is it's ended right there. And if it, if, it, if it ends right there, we miss out on what we're going to see in the next verse. And so we see Him doing the exact same things that Jesus did in, in Matthew 9.35. But the problem is that we stop before we get to Matthew 9.36. Many churches, I'll continue to say that, many or some churches are very exemplary in regards to walking out to Matthew 9.35. They teach, they, they preach, they, they pray for the sick, they sing, they do those type of things. But it says, but, and it's, it's, so it's changing the pace of what he's seeing, it's changing the visual, it's changing the, the status of the attitude of what we need to say. But when he saw the multitude, or when he saw the oklos the, the in, in the Greek, or when he saw the crowd, who by implication of this word, it was, uh, it was the ignorant and the disorderly. And I want to say that again. It says that, that when Jesus was out the cities, teaching in their cities and preaching the God and healing every sickness and, and disease among the people, but, talking about another thought, when he saw the multitudes, when he saw those that were ignorant when he saw those that were disorderly that's what that multitude implies that word that, that 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 in the greek and so do you hear what i'm saying and he said these were not the same people who would come and sit all day to hear jesus's teaching these were not the people who were uh, who would come and, and would walk orderly these were not the people that would come and say i want to know principles about the kingdom this was not that group these were not the people that we saw that would come and, and, and he fed them five thousand. They would sit down orderly and they would, they would wait for the disciples to come and distribute the loaves and the food. This was not those people. This was the people that, that I got to see in the Spirit. When I, when I went into New Orleans during Mardi Gras over ten years ago, and I, and I saw this disorderly group of people in sexual immorality, in drug addiction, in, in the occult, in, in wickedness, in all types of, of debauchery. That was that group of people that, that I saw as what Jesus saw. And so when you, when you see what He saw, then you'll, you'll do and you'll respond and you'll be moved by the things that, that He was moved for. It'll, it'll pierce you through just as well. But the reason the body of Christ, and I have to use that term very loosely, the reason that those things that term themselves the church is not doing or moving in the way that Christ did or seeing the fruit of those things or seeing the power of those things is because we stay at that first thought. We stay at verse 35 and we don't mind the teaching. We don't mind the preaching. We don't mind somebody praying for us when we're sick. But we never want to move to that place where we take those principles, we take that heart, we take that that, that commitment, and we move it into that place that, that does not adhere to our rules, that does not uh, bow to our traditions, that does not walk orderly according to the, the, the way that we think they should. And so when, when, when Jesus saw them... Uh, th- th- this, this rowdy, disorderly, ignorant mass gathering of lost, dying, and desperate people who showed absolutely, now I want to say this, these people showed absolutely no interest whatsoever in what he had to say or what he had to offer them. Those were, they were, the, they were the rabble-rousers. They were the, 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 the hoi-polloi. And, and, and they weren't sincere. They weren't learned. Or, or, and they wouldn't de- demonstrate some type of courtesy towards His message. These people, it says that they fainted. That they were scattered. And they, they acted like unshepherded sheep. In other words, they were just going here and they were just going there. They were, we were doing their own things. And look at what He said. They said they were fainted. They, they, they were scattered. And they were like unshepherded sheep. Now, folks, you may not have ever seen that before. You may, may not have ever, you know, understood exactly what those those principles. But it says of the disciples, it says that they, they 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 taught those things and they testified of those things that they both saw and heard. Now, because I positioned myself so many times. This past week was was one of them and when, and, I, and probably when I go back into that that environment where God just literally shook this preacher and this pastor to the core i'm just constantly reminded of, of that type of, of thing and, and just constantly reminded to, to stay with that compassionate heart towards the lost and dying but because i've seen those things i've seen the fainting i've seen the scattered i've seen the unshepherded sheep i've seen those that, that the society they, they've hit rock bottom that they, they, they they've been mangled by the effects of sin and they've never they've never had anyone to look over them or just to, to love them or to embrace them, to care about them, to, to cover them or to, to, to hold them accountable or to, to teach them or to show them any compassion or any type of mercy. But those are the multitudes that moved him with compassion, that pierced him and caused that gut-wrenching type of thing to, to, to literally... Uh, 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 what 's a, what's a good way to put it to define the work of the ministry that we saw uh, evidenced in the cross of calvary and so you might ask yourself the question this morning: what does all of this have to do with our teaching on Romans chapter five twelve through nineteen and that 's really what I want to hope to show you today and, 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 and over the next couple two or three days and, and to reveal to you the reason that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the Son of the living God would be so moved or so pierced through in His heart and, and hopefully we'll answer that question within ourselves. And God, how can I be pierced through? What, what's it going to take? What understanding are you trying to bring to me? What, what revelation do I need in my heart and in my spirit by the Word of God that's going to cause me to walk through with that, 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 that pierced type of attitude, that pierced type of nature? And folks, it should never, listen to me, It should never be anything that we get over. We should walk around pierced through and moved with compassion. We should walk around with that, that gut-wrenching thought and that, that desire to see God change and to transform the rowdy and the, 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 the hoi polloi, the the, the rabble-rousers, the the, the, the the disinterested in our message, those that don't want to hear it, those that are insincere, those that are doing... So, we need to be moved by the same thing that moved Jesus in our ministries, in our lives, and in everything that we do when we call Christ Jesus Lord. And so, why is it that that the church that bears His name is not moved or influenced by the same things that moved and influenced Him. That's our question today. Why is it that the church that tries to bear His name is not moved or influenced by the same things that moved and influenced Him? I'm going to give you that, 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 that question. And I believe it's one of two things. Number one, it's because that church, it's a false Or never sincere church, masquerading as the genuine article, folks. I believe that there is a false church that that has arisen. It is it is that that it's you know we see the the uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats. We see the parable of the wheat and the chaff, and you know there's these things that try to grow up and they try to look like. And I believe what's happened is there is a false church that has arisen. You think well well why why aren't they moved with those things? Because they're not real. Why, why don't they have that type of quality because they're not real? We make trips in. We minister in the streets of New York City. And uh, and we see. And you go around and you see all these knockoffs. And the, you're, you're going around the corner and a man will sell you a, a Rolex, a presidential gold Rolex, diamond encrusted face for $30. Now folks, how many of you know that you may, you're never going to get a diamond encrusted face, genuine gold Rolex for $30? maybe $10,000 or something like that, some astronomical price. But they're offering you a cheap substitute, something that looks enough like the, like the genuine article that as long as it's viewed from a distance, that, it's, that, that it could be a, a substitute or it could masquerade, but it's, it's an imposter. And it doesn't have the same inner workings as the original. It, because if it did, then it would have a greater value. It, it doesn't carry the same weight as the original or the, the genuine article. And see, folks, that's the exact same way with this false church that does, isn't moved by the same things that Jesus is. It, it starts on the inside. The reason it's not moved by the same things that moved Him is because the, the inside, the gut-rinsing part that's pierced through is not the genuine article. They do not have the same components. The guts are not the same. The inner workings, the mechanism, the the, uh, the timepiece, the, the moving... Uh, parts inside are, are not the real thing. And so they're never going to function like the real thing. And you may encrust them with diamonds. You may encrust them with all the Christianity. You can slap a cross up on the building. You can sing the right songs or have the right hymn books. But they will never be the genuine article because they are not made out of the same components. It's not gold. It's fool's gold. It's not diamonds. It's, 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 it's cubic zirconia or something else. It is something else else that is trying to masquerade itself as Christianity. And so try as you might, it's never going to change. Some of you folks that are maybe listening to this today live, maybe some of you that are going to be listening to this uh, in in a delayed broadcast, you're sitting in those places and you're thinking to yourself that, man, I'm just going to be able to change this place. I'm going to do this. Folks, if if the case is that it's a false or never sincere uh, uh, organization masquerading as the genuine article... I don't want to I don't want to discourage you but you will never be able to change what they are because they are what they are. Your only hope is to preach the gospel and get them saved. You cannot deal with them like a struggling church. You've got to deal with them like the lost rabble-rousing people who have just feigned some type of order. They feigned some type of, of 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 religious morality, but they are not legitimate. They are not Real And the second answer to these things, why then is the church not moved by these things? It's either because they're a false or never sincere or never real article. They're, they're, they're impostors. Or it's because they are in a backslidden, apostate church that has fallen away from God. And folks, we, we see those type of things. And the scripture tells us, it's, ex, it's explicit, that it, that it says in the last days that they'll, they'll depart from the faith. They'll give heat to seducing spirits and, and doctrines of devils. It says that there's a brother who, who errs from the truth and one convert him. That you've saved a soul from death and you've covered a multitude of sins. And so there are those. There is this church. There is, And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about people that would go to a building. I'm talking, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about an organism that, that comes together and forms an organization. But what, what has happened in those cases is, is they've come to Christ. So they, they've walked in the reality of those things. But they've moved outside of that realm. They, 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 they've no longer endured sound doctrine. But after their own lust, their own desires, their own ambition, their own celebrity, they've te- heaped to themselves... Teachers having itching ears, and, and they, they they no longer done done the works that the, the, the and, and they, they departed from their, their first love and that compassion that God has, and so they're not pierced into those things. But either way, folks, something must be done by those that know the truth, those that are pierced through, those that are moved with compassion, to right the wrong that is effectively castrated. Christianity has served as the precipice in which all that has been called, we've been called to do, and God has fallen into. It's that abyss. It's that precipice. It's that hole that these things have, have fallen into, and they become totally ineffective. They become powerless. But what our job is to do through the preaching of the gospel, for to be moved with compassion, is to teach that word, to preach that word, to to, to lay hands on the sick, absolutely. But it's to go into those unruly places, into the streets, the highways, the hedges and say, God, I've got to get to that place once again. We've got to cry out with a sincerity and say, God, search me. Tell me why that I'm not being moved by those things. We've got to come with a heart of repentance and the audacity to believe God to, to move us in righteousness and, and to cause His faith and His grace and mercy to change and to challenge and to transform us once again to that place that we can see it like He saw it so that we'll continue to do it in the way that He has done those type of things. And so, folks, we, we will never understand what I'm going to be sharing with here in, in, in these next few minutes, out of 12, uh, 5, 12 through 19, unless we understand that, because you will not see it. You'll 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 you you'll be like an un, unshepherded sheep. You, you'll, you'll be scattered and fainted and you won't even grasp it, and you'll never be able to take these things that I'm fixing to, to share with you and apply those things in, in real life to your own life and to others unless you're moved with the things that move Him. Romans twelve five, excuse me, verses 12 through 19. And it says, Wherefore, as one man in, sin entered into the world and had death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace which was by one man, Christ Jesus, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was one by, by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more shall they receive abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in, in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification to life. For as by one man's obedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall be made many be made righteous. I want to read verse 12 again. It says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so passed upon all men. I want to say that again. It passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. That word all is is, is is such a simple word in the Greek. It's the word pos B A S would be your English spelling of that. And it's a word that means everything. It's all encompassing. It's it's everybody. It's it's uh no uh there's no escape. It, it's everything. When it says all, it means all. It means without exception. Everything. All have sinned. Death passed upon all men. All have been victimized by it. All are suffering the repercussions of it. All have got to find a way in Christ Jesus to overcome it. And so this phrase, as by one man sin entered into the world, it illustrates the fact as to the entrance and subsequent literally saturation of sin upon humankind. And so folks, when, when, because Adam was the first, and he had within him literally that complete genetic and spiritual code for mankind. I will to say that again. Adam had everything. Adam, the, when God placed he and Eve in the garden, they had within themselves, they were the prototype. They were the ones that everything else would be built off of. They were the example. They were the, they were the model. They were the mold that, would, was, that was cast upon everyone else that everything would flow out of them. And so, uh, physically or genetically, they had that, that DNA. And so, spiritually as well. Why? Because, folks, we're not three different people. We are one people made up of a body. And of a soul and of a spirit. And if you remove any of those components from you, you cease to be you. What What makes us us is the fact that we are. We are a, a, a an eternal spirit being that is that is in, in that is uh, resident inside of, of a physical body. And you know what? That's never going to change. You know what? This body is going to move from this fallen example of the body but one day that he's going to transform even our flesh and blood into a glorified body. And so if you think that one day that the body's going to go into the ground is forever going to remain there and you're just going to be this floating spiritual orb, think again. He's even going to raise that 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 body from the dust of earth and and, and transform it into a spiritual body much like Adam was originally given. See folks, when Adam was uh, uh, was created by God, he was created to last for eternity. This physical body that we have was not made to wear out. It was made to, to be uh, literally instantaneously, constantly regenerated day by day. That's why when we, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives spiritually, there's that day by day regeneration that comes. That's why in the Spirit, in a, in a limited sense, that when we see the healing of God, what we're seeing is a uh, is an encapsulated look at what should have been happening in our lives prior to the fall. That's the type of thing that, that we should experience. That joy unspeakable. Those, those moments and those glimpses of, of, of complete and total victory when you're, when you're walking and you touch the, 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 the presence of God in a way and you're like, you know what? Everything seems to be in alignment. We get those glimpses of that because we are right now sojourners. We're, we're housed in, 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 in something that's effective in this fallen flesh. But one day, we're going to put on the the, the the new man and it's going to be a transformation, not just internally like it is through salvation now, but it's even going to be an external thing. And we're going to be changed and transformed and we're going to be as He is, is what He says. So we're going to be the, the reflective uh, glory of the Lord made manifest in Him through that. And so He had and He has within Himself everything that was going to flow out and, 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 and be that, that reproductive source for all of mankind, and so as a result of the fall, man was born in the same spiritual family too. And but instead of that same spiritual gene of righteousness, what we had is there was sin became that, and, and it, it not really, uh, literally a, a recessive gene. And you understand the nature of a recessive gene, like if I'm in a family and they're you know, and I, my wife and I both have uh, dark hair, and we have a child that has blonde hair. We think, well, what happened? Well, there was a recessive gene in there that slipped in periodically. Folks, listen, sin is not a recessive gene. It's not something that slips in. It is the dominant gene in mankind. It is the thing that, that continues to come to the forefront and rather than getting less and less prominent or working its way out through natural selection or something like that, it becomes more and more prominent and more and more dominant as time went out. Think about this. There are some, some characteristics that Adam had prior to the fall. Number one, he walked with God. There was a a, a daily walk. God walked with him in the cool of the day. It was a natural thing. He wasn't hiding from God. He wasn't afraid of God. But there was a natural relationship with God because he he walked in harmony with righteousness. It was a a daily type of thing. He had no comparison to, to, to sin or to shame because he had never walked in those things. Secondly, he had dominion over all of creation. Think about that. Over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, everything that creep, everything that crawls, not only have dominion, but he had been given the responsibility to name all of creation. And so God created it, but Adam was the one that was able to give it a name. And so, and that required an enormous intellect. Think about that. If I told you to, if, you know, when we have children, if somebody has five or six or seven children, you know, I know when we had two children, we labored over what to name them for the whole nine months. And we didn't settle on it until they were there. But can you imagine being given the responsibility to name every single thing that God has created in all the world? But Adam, prior to the fall, had that type of intellectual capability to do those type of things. And, and, and think about it. He, he, he was born to live for eternity. He was created never to wear out. But after the fall, what happened? He ceased to have that type of relationship when he walked with God. He was expelled from the garden. He and Eve were expelled from the garden. And there was, a, there was a, 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 a angel set up that they could never enter back, back into the garden again and enjoy that type of relationship that they had with God. He lost his dominion. He ceased to, to, to have that type of authority. And, and now what happened is it, we, we see that the situation with the serpent that beguiled Eve. We see in creation that no longer do we have that, that dominion over the, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. But, but we're, there's a conflict in those types of things. And there's literally, a, in many cases, there's a, a, a type of, 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 of sinister conflict. You see people that are attacked by wild animals, so there's no more dominion. He, he became at odds with creation. And so as a result of creation, what happens? Weeds begin to form up and all the thorns begin to come where they weren't before. And so he was, he was always battling those things. Storms begin to wipe things out. He, he had murderous offspring. And so rather than reproducing after uh, God's image, we began to reproduce a murderous offspring in, in the form of Cain. And it just began to get more hideous and more, more heinous in time. And he began to die. The one that was created to last for eternity he expired after 930 years. He, he died, and, and 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 he went into the ground. And so, this man who was created as a reflection or as the imagery of God, in that he was created to fellowship with God and to do service for God and to live for eternity, was now cloaked in a morality or a mortality and the sinfulness of flesh. And so, he, he ceased to be the the, uh, the 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 unobstructed reflection of of of, of God. <coughs> And suddenly, <coughs> the, the image of sin began to come out of his life. The effects of those type of sin. And so this sin or this mismark would literally act like a genetic defect that would be passed upon to his children and to his children's children and to his children's children's children and, and such and such perpetually with each genera- generation waxing more and more evil each and every time that it came. It's kind of like uh, the old cassette tapes. You, you make a copy of one and you make a copy of the copy, and a copy of the copy, and the copy of the copy, what happens? You begin to lose resolution. And so instead of being like Adam and living 930 years, what happens if someone lives as long as my grandmother who lived and passed away last week at 101? We believe that's an enormous thing. But think about it, folks. She, she lived just, an, uh, just a fraction of the time that, that Adam lived. Right at like, what, less than, like 10% of his life. So what happened to the other 90%? I tell you, it got lost in that type of spiritual uh, posterity that was passed on through those type of things. And so what it says in in, in verse 12 of of Romans chapter 9, it says, where sin entered into the world, that word is the word cosmos, and it means that when it entered into the world, it entered in literally into the entire human race. And it's the same word that's used in John 3.16 where it says that for God so loved the world. And so... When sin entered in, it entered in and it affected the entire human race. Our, our, our spiritual identity, our physical uh, uh, representation, all of those type of things were affected by this because of the sin of one man. Now I want you to consider something as we're thinking about this. And I've got just a little bit of time left this morning, but I want to I make this point uh, before we close out. Sin originated with an angel. Okay? Sin did not originate with Adam. And so, because sin originated with an angel, Lucifer, in his rebellion against God, and, and, but as a result, what, did, what Adam took on was something that did not originate with God. It re- originated with a fallen angel in Lucifer who rebelled. I'll give you a scripture. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. And it says this, it says, How are you fallen, O uh, from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north, and I will ascend above the heights of the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I want to say something. He said this. He said, I will send above, uh, into the heavens, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God is, is a word that's used to describe the, the angelic host of heaven. And so I want, what I want to do is I want to, I want to be above everybody else. I know that I was created just like the other angels were created, but I want to be above them, and I even want to be above God. I want to have, uh, rulership over every other thing. And so I want to explain something to you. When, when Lucifer fell and, and you're, you're probably wondering but all this has got to be tied in to give you some understanding On uh, really not just the Romans 12, uh, 5, 12 through 19 but really the, the whole gospel message when 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 Lucifer fell and became known as, as, as Satan he fell by himself Okay, he made that decision as an individual to fall by himself so he fell and entered into, rebe- into rebellion but, and, but what I mean for that is that because He was one of a multitude of angels, that, that they were all created at the same time. There's no evidence in Scripture that... Uh, that there were some angels here and God created some more and He made more and you know, you, you hear the things that every time, uh, a, 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 what, what was it? A, a bell rings, you know, some type of thing that an angel gets its wings and, uh, some movie that came on. You always hear those type of things and, and people will say when someone dies, well, they died because God needed another angel. Folks, that's just hogwash, that's, that's, that's fairy tales, that has nothing to do with the Bible. When God created, He created all that heavenly host simultaneously at one thing. So there's no baby angels. When you see these little pictures of the cherub, that's hogwash. That's just not scripture, folks. Okay? That's these things that try to slip on to try to bring a dilution to the Word of God. And so when he fell, he was just one of a multitude. But he did not have any type of inherent trait to pass on to other angels genetically. And so what they had to do is they had to make the, the decision to rebel along with them. And I want to read something to you. We talked about that he wanted to to ascend his throne, exalt his throne above the stars of God. He wanted to move his position above all the rest of them. But check this out. Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. Speaking of Satan, Lucifer, uh, it says that, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. So what does that say? It says with his tail, or, or, or but we see that, that 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 John said he said I saw Satan fall like heaven, fall like lightning from heaven. He was cast down. He was cast down. But his tail, or, or his remnants, or his influence influenced other people, and it drew them in to his line of thinking. And as a result, his influence and what he said to them, or his example of rebellion, drew a third part. And so one third of the angels, when Lucifer rebelled, decided individually, we're going to rebel just like he did. He did not have the ability to impute that, otherwise every single angel would have been influenced by that. But a third of them decided to rise up in that same type of rebellion and fall under that. And as a result, they were cast down. As well. And so, uh, metaphorically speaking, they were angels that, 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 that entered into that same type of rebellion. That's what that, that is when it talks about that with his tail, he drew a third part of the angels from heaven and did cast them down. And so, they chose to follow in his rebellion because they are not created in God's image. Now, I've got to make this point. Uh, Me and a brother in the Lord uh, have talked about out of of Genesis chapter six about when uh, the the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and and there's a teaching about creating giants. There's a a reason that I don't adhere to that, and I'm not going to get into that this morning. I'm actually in in the process. I've got about 60-page dissertation that I'm in the process of of writing right now. But they were not created to reproduce. Man was created to, to reproduce. Angels, it says, are strictly ministering spirits. I want to give you an example of that. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, To by which the angels, but, but to which of the angels did he say at any time? And so did he ever say to the angels, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all just ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now I want to say that again. He says, are they not all just ministering spirits? That word is just servants. They're just, they're just, they just do handiwork. Are they not just ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them or to serve a purpose to them that are heirs or that do have the ability to reproduce? Folks, listen. Adam had within him the ability to reproduce. He had a type of, of, of the image of God. And so because he had it physically, he also had it spiritually. But, as soon as he took on that imagery of, of, of sin, what did he do? He tainted that and he, began, he he infiltrated that that DNA, so to speak, and it brought an element in that wasn't creative in and of itself. It had to find a host, it had to find that, that spirit to bring it into mankind that, that's different from reproducing a, 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 an angelic hybrid offspring. What it was is sin came in or that, that nature of sin came into mankind and caused mankind to fall. So, when we talk about one man's sin entered into the world, one man's rebellion, and death by sin, so death passed unto all men for all that have sinned. Folks, listen. We all became tainted by the rebellion of Adam who was influenced by the rebellion of Satan. Against God, folks. I'm sorry, I don't have more time. I'm going to get into some of these things in more detail uh, tomorrow as we begin to talk about over the probably all week long we'll be on these these uh, eight verses of scripture talking about the fall of man and how it were the origination in that and as a result how all that sin has been imputed into us. Don't have any more time. Thank you for joining us. I want to remind everyone we're going to have the Raven Nation tonight. You can go to www.biggrace.com, click on Raven TV. That's at 8:30 from 8:30 until 10 o'clock Eastern time, and uh, we'd love to be there. Time of preaching, fellowship. If you have any prayer request, you can email them to me at raven at biggrace.com raven at biggrace.com r-a-v-e-n at b-i-g-g-r-a-c-e dot com. We want to uh, uh, bring those prayers. You need healing, touch from God, a miracle, whatever it is. You need God to intervene in that situation. We want to lift those up before the Lord Jesus with our international team of intercessors as well. got one bit of advice for you today. Get into God's Word and allow God's Word to get into you. God bless you.